This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Thank you and welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak in a peg, grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. To all of you, from everyone here at The Conspiracy Show, from uh, the mighty Aphrodite and my, uh, my little guys, North and Zach, and they're running around here somewhere, driving Ian nuts, no doubt. <laughs> he's shaking his head, yes. No, he's not. He's just kidding. Anyway, God bless all of you. Uh, occultism in Washington, D.C. Shocking revelations about Satanism in the U.S. Capitol, the supernatural truth behind the Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, Dr. Thomas Horn. Radio personality, publisher, best-selling author is next to talk to you about how secret deep state occultists are manipulating American society through a Washington-based shadow government. And then coming up in the second hour, sort of keeping with the, uh, the theme tonight, from the Order of Exorcists, Michael Fries, who is an expert in religious studies. He's published a scholarly work in demonology on the infestation, oppression, and possession of evil spirits concerning demonic activities. He'll join us. Are the global elite possessed and under the control of a Luciferian cult, desperately trying to install the reign of the Antichrist? As I say, it's kind of a theme show. Although these things uh, often just come together in terms of guest availability. There's no real intent um, it's not right, Albert. I mean, we don't we don't necessarily set out to do a theme show. We say, okay, let's start lining up shows, and then these things just kind of fall into place. And tonight we have a classic. Good luck, example. a lot of good luck. <laughs> Indeed. Well, well, good luck, Providence, probably. I would think. Uh, anyway, ultimately, I, I I think I've mentioned on this program a number of times. I believe. You know, we talk about conspiracies, but the greatest conspiracy of all is one of a spiritual nature. The battle of good and evil. It is not against flesh and bone that we are fighting. It is against spirit. Having said that, a very, again, a very Merry Christmas. Uh, hello, um, as we say in uh, Greek. 
from the uh, Sarat family, the mighty Aphrodite, North Zach to all of you, and uh, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, just a reminder about my new podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, uh, now available. Three new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, again, Conspiracy Unlimited, you can su- subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Now, uh, I-, I urge you to subscribe now. Get in on the ground floor, as they say, because at some point we may have to cap it uh, and um, uh, end the free subscription. But I, uh, I want you to get in early on that. ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com uh, Also, as the, uh, the year draws to a close, I want to thank some very special people who make this show possible every week. Uh, Ian Robertson, my uh, technical producer, a very talented musician, one of the finest young men of his generation that I've met. I mean that, uh, Ian. And my twin boys uh, adore you. You know that. Uh, Albert Vinzel my uh, tireless and selfless story producer. Albert and I enjoyed a cup of, or two of uh, Christmas cheer before the show tonight, kind of a tradition. Albert, thank you for all you do all year long. Uh, Merry Christmas, my good friend. Ryan White, my feature producer and YouTube stream producer, was not able to join us for our Christmas party. He was uh, sadly missed. He called me this afternoon to tell me he couldn't make it, and uh, he's fighting the flu. But Ryan, if you're listening... Thank you for all of your hard work. You're a fine young man, and uh, I truly appreciate everything you do for the show. Be well, and Merry Christmas. And one more little uh, order of business here. We have a brand new affiliate. Uh, This is actually a very uh, special affiliate uh, for me to announce. It is um, a station in Knoxville. W-E-T-R. AM, FM, Knoxville, Tennessee, 7.60 AM. They'll be joining us January the 7th. And why is it, is it special? Well, Knoxville. Uh, my, uh, my very dear late friend, R. Gary Patterson, well, it was from Knoxville. And uh, I've mentioned this a number of times. He and I were working on a radio project about rock and roll uh, and the paranormal. And we had approached a station in Knoxville W-E-T-R, and uh, they were going to meet with us on a, a Monday in late May to discuss taking that radio program on. And of course, as you now know, the Friday, I believe it was, before that meeting was to take place, uh, Gary left us. He passed away. Uh, so here I get this notice from my syndicator that WETR is uh, taking the conspiracy show on. I tell you, I got a lump in my throat. Uh, very, very uh, special uh, to have WETR uh, as an affiliate here in the conspiracy show. And uh, R. Gary, if you're listening, uh, love you, brother. Miss you. All right. We... Uh, we need now to get to, to get, moody, get moving and motoring with the, uh, the program. Uh, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson once wrote, Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. The real government of the United States is not the Congress, not the President, not the courts, not the Constitution, but the federal bureaucracy. This is what some have called the fourth branch of government, and it daily influences the constitutional three branches of government, 
most voters perceive as functioning to serve we the people, legislative, executive, and judicial. But perhaps, I might add, there is a fifth branch of government, one ruled by the spiritual realm, the demonic realm. We are about to embark on a uh, a lengthy discussion on how the deep state occultists are manipulating American society through a Washington-based shadow government. Tom Horn is a longtime television and radio personality, author, and publisher. He serves as the chief executive officer of Skywatch TV and Defender Publishing. His newest work, Saboteurs, is the most critical and groundbreaking today from his earliest opus on secret societies and the occult to his new unnerving chronicle. Dr. Horn returns to Washington to expose a harrowing plot by deep state Aleister Crowley and Masonic devotees that hold an almost unbelievable um, um, an unbelievable secret they do not want you to understand. American society is being manipulated through a Washington-based shadow government in the quest of that final world order prophesied in the books of Daniel, Revelation, and on the great seal of the United States. Tom Horn, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, it's great to be with you, and I don't know if the technicians can do anything to help me hear you better. I can barely hear you, so I'm trying uh, very uh, carefully to pay attention to uh, what's being said. Uh, but great to be on the program with you. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm being told we're going to boost my my send signal to you as much as we can, um, but it may be sort of a phone connection on your end or mm-hmm. our end, but we'll do the best we can. I hope you can hear me. Uh, what do you think? I, I mentioned, you know, that maybe we should start thinking about a fifth branch of government, and that is the uh, the spiritual realm. Is there any any uh, any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, I mean, very interesting that you would put it that way, because in essence, that's what I tried to do with saboteurs. If you've read the book, or if one of your listeners reads the book or has. Uh, you know, I spend the first chapter or so talking about, uh, you know, what you call the fourth branch of government, the federal bureaucracy, the two and a half million, uh, you know, employees that work behind the scenes. Uh, what my friend uh, at the Pentagon, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, uh, calls the people, you know, that oil um, the uh, skids for the trains to run in Washington. These are people that can help expedite presidential policy, but they can also become the cogs in the wheel that slow everything down. And the whole question that, uh, you know, much of the nation, America today, is asking here is, you know, is the deep state, is it operating to try to um, flummox the uh, intentions of the Trump administration? And has he come up against the deep state? And are they trying to intentionally work towards an end to actually undo a duly elected president, somehow get him out of office, you know, uh, and all of that? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would not have written saboteurs if that was the only question being asked. Uh, what had happened was some revelations we can get into that came out of the WikiLeaks, um, some of my experience in Washington, D.C. in the past in writing Apollyon Rising and then Zenith 2016 and actually having the opportunity to meet privately with 33rd degree Freemasons at the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C. to ask them uh, private uh, questions. Much of the research that I had done in the past had led me to already believe 
that um, there is a, what Colonel McGinnis also calls the deeper state, right? Uh, uh, an occult dynamic that is operating behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., that some people consider, including me, to be the real power uh, behind the throne. And the more that one looks into this, if they read the book Saboteurs, they're going to discover that it's really not just a conspiracy theory. There certainly is something operating here, and there are some real believers. There are some true believers. And and much of that was exposed uh, in the uh, WikiLeaks email exchanges that showed that some of the people, like John Podesta, who was the campaign manager for the Hillary Clinton campaign, um, the, these are people that are actually practicing spooky, deep-level occultism um, that is very connected to the prophecies of, that are on the Great Seal of the United States towards the development of a new world order. You, you, you mentioned that there are roughly, what, two and a half, three million employees, career government personnel. Some of them are contractors, and, and you, you could include, I suppose, the press uh, in there, um, that I suppose can that comprise what we call the deep state. How many of them really are knowing participants in this? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave this kind of a rhetorical question and we'll uh, address it on the other side as we head into the break, but how many of them are knowing participants uh, in, I suppose you could say, Satan's army? How many of them are true devotees uh, of satanic worship and how many are just well-meaning but misguided individuals we'll uh, talk about that and much more thomas horn author of saboteurs shadow government in quest of the final world order right here on the conspiracy show don't go away fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position you're about to leave everything you know behind on the conspiracy show with richard serrett from zoomer radio You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Thomas Horn. The author of Saboteurs, from shocking WikiLeaks revelations about Satanism and the U.S. Capitol to the connection between witchcraft, the Babylon working, spirit cooking, and the fourth turning great champion, how secret deep state occultists are manipulating an American society through a Washington-based shadow government in quest of the final world order. Wow. Uh, Thomas, I asked you before the break about the um, what we could sort of describe as the uh, the deep state. Uh, if we include the media and contractors and so forth, let's say two and a half, three million strong. This army. How many are are willing participants? How many know that they are 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 conscious uh, of the fact that they are sort of uh, satanic? And how many are just unwitting, uh, useful fools? I would say, uh, Richard, the vast majority uh, don't have a clue. The vast majority are not there because they want to worship the devil or anything like that. Um, you know, they're just part of the D.C. culture. They're part of the nationalist, or not the nationalistic, but the globalistic 
uh, mindset, the liberal mindset that seems to permeate Washington, D.C. And if you're in that culture for a long period of time, this all just feels like the way things ought to be. And you look at a guy like Donald Trump and you think he's just a buffoon, you know, and <laughs> that is that has somehow stumbled into the office, uh, and at best he's an impediment to your globalistic goals, and so you're really you're just waiting for him to either leave office or hopefully you can maybe get him impeached or something like that, uh, so that you can get the you know you get back on track. But as far as the the occultic side of it, I would say that's really just a very small elite. Um, you know, what the numbers are, I don't know. Not a lot of people, but it's a very powerful elite. And that's the point, that these are the people that uh, puppet. These are the ones that are pulling the strings on the decisions that are being made uh, in uh, Washington. And once again, you know, people listening to this program, if they think that I'm making all of that up, they can go and they can read the WikiLeaks for themselves. And undoubtedly, one of the most bizarre leaks in that whole collection was where Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta is invited to a spirit cooking session, a spirit cooking dinner by uh, performance artist Marina Abramovic. Uh, and these emails, when you read them, um, it's not like they, you know, they're coming from nowhere. It's obvious these people all know each other. They're all friends. Uh, they're communicating with one another on a very personal level. And, uh, uh, you know, Marina, uh, who's um, somewhat of a darling to the Hollywood elite, and evidently some of the U.S. government elite, she emails John Podesta's brother, Tony, uh, who, by the way, both of these guys, Tony Podesta and John Podesta, in these emails, it's obvious they're also believers in what they call contiguous aliens. And uh, numerous of their emails um, between them and other uh, government and uh, NASA astronauts and even Vatican insiders indicated that if uh, Hillary had been elected, we were moving towards what they were calling an official disclosure moment. Now, why they were saying that, we're not going to know for now. Um, but um, they were talking about it as if it was real. In fact, uh, uh, both um, his name is slipping me right now, but the U.S. astronaut uh, and this lady who was a representative of the Vatican, they're talking to um, Tony Edgar, Podesta. Was that Edgar Mitchell? Podesta. Edgar Mitchell? Yes, thank you. About meeting with uh, Obama over this whole issue of official disclosure of contiguous aliens, which the Vatican lady uh, describes as being um, uh, devoted to God. Um, so anyway, some very strange stuff going on there. Uh, but this Marina Abramovic, I'm not going to take time in this program. We don't have enough time to talk about all the stuff that she's done. But a lot of it is deeply occultic, deeply satanic. She's very much an Aliester Crowley. Uh, devotee, and in fact, spirit cooking comes right out of the liber of uh, Aleister Crowley. Um, and the whole purpose of you of doing spirit cooking, um, and she did it as an artist. But the purpose, from Aleister Crowley's point of view, was to lo- use you know particular body fluids. Some of this stuff's kind of disgusting, so I won't talk about it on. You know, I won't describe what it is on your radio program. But the purpose for doing it is. Uh, for enchantment and to put yourself into contact with these contiguous entities. Uh, now, 
Aliaster Crowley himself is connected to what was going on with John Podesta and Tony Podesta and Marina Abramovic and the magic that they were uh, performing. And it's also connected to Hillary Clinton. Now, the one thing I was not able to do in the book Saboteurs was to determine in my investigation whether or not Hillary Clinton herself was aware of what the Podestas and others were doing and what they believed and and whether she acknowledged in any way these enchantments as is connected to well, the Babylon working. Well, Tom, it has been uh, reported, I don't know if it's been confirmed, you can comment, that during the Clinton White House, Hillary essentially convened a coven in the White House. She had some of the top New Age occultists uh, channeling spirits in the White House. Hillary was reported to have channeled Eleanor Roosevelt herself. What do you know about that? Well, that's true. In fact, Bill Clinton admitted that. When they dedicated that park in New York City, uh, the uh, Roosevelt, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt Park, or whatever it's called, uh, you, can, you can look this up on YouTube and you can actually watch Bill Clinton uh, at that event saying that not only had Hillary done this before, but that she had called him the very day that he was going there to dedicate uh, that park to the Roosevelt family and let him know that she had once again spoke to Eleanor Roosevelt, that Eleanor wanted the family, the Roosevelt family, to know that she was there among them. So, yeah, that that's definitely something um, that uh, she was participating in. Uh, one of uh, Bill Clinton's other, um, I forget what his name was, but there's a... I shouldn't even mention it because I'm not going to be able to remember his name, but one of Bill Clinton's um, um, assistants when he was in the White House who was responsible for making sure that they didn't get any egg on their face by mis- making misstatements or whatever in the public had told him privately um, that he was very concerned about Hillary Clinton meeting with witches, covens in California and things like that. Again, people can Google that. They can read it for themselves. I'm not making it up. But the, but, but, but the part that concerned me uh, in the WikiLeaks, and let me, just do it, let me try to do this as quickly as I can before we go to another commercial break, uh, why um, the comments that were being made by the Podestas and the others why that concerned me as it involved the potential election of Hillary Clinton was I came to believe that the Podestas and those around them believed that Hillary Clinton was the fulfillment of the 1946 Babylon working, um, the incarnation of the whore of Babylon. Now, that sounds outrageous until you think about exactly what was going on. They were practicing exactly the same telemic religion the same telemic practices as Aliester Crowley had taught and that later L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Persons had participated in. Now, why would I say that? Very quickly, in 1918, Aliester Crowley says that he's going to open a dimensional vortex that will bridge the gap between this world uh, and the unseen. He performs this series of sex magic rituals called the Amalantra working. Now, the whole purpose of that was just to bring through an entity from the contiguous realities into our realities. And at one point, uh, he says he was successful. He says he brings through this entity. In fact, he drew a picture of it. People can Google it. They can look it up on WikiLeaks. 
he drew a pencil drawing of this entity he called LAM, L-A-M, which looks suspiciously like the uh, alien greys of today's, uh, you know, um, abduction um, entities. Um, and uh, But now fast forward uh, to 1946, and two of his uh, devotees, his disciples, L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons, who founded the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, they want to repeat the Amalantra workings, but in this case, they don't want to bring through one of these alien greys or whatever into our reality. What they want to do is bring about the incarnation of the um, archetype divine feminine, the the uh, uh, the antithesis of the Virgin Mary. They want to bring through the whore of Babylon. And they began a whole series in 1946 of sex magic rituals called the Babylon Working. They spelled it B-A-B-A-L-O-N, for those that might want to look it up, the Babylon Working. This would be a, a demon child, um, a gibberim. And Parsons later wrote that the ritual was successful. He wrote this in his own bio before he blew himself up in a, a rocket experiment. And he talks about this brownish-yellow light that comes through this doorway and all that. But, but he goes on to talk about how a female child was incarnate within a woman in 1946 that was going to go on to become this whore of Babylon, this archetype divine feminine. She would be a feminist. She would help uh, move America away from its um, Judeo-Christian kind of abramic uh, male-dominated values more towards a goddess-centered kind of value system. And um, uh, he says in his bio that they were successful. Now, the reason that's important is because if they really were successful, then you count forward nine months from 1946, you wind up in 1947, and you ask yourself, was there any female child born in 1947 that would go on to become an internationally recognized feminist who could help change American values? And, and indeed there was uh, a single woman born that year that could do that, and that is Hillary Rodham Clinton. Mm. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that Hillary is the fulfillment of the Babylon working. What I'm saying is it is very obvious, based on the WikiLeaks and the revelation that the Podestas and others were practicing exactly the same telemic religion, exactly the same stuff that uh, L. Ron Hubbard and them were practicing, that, that they were aware of the Babylon workings, and that they believed it. Whether Hillary was even aware of it, I don't know. But obviously, they believed it. Now, here's another thing, though, to think about. And so 1947, Hillary Rodham Clinton is born. 1948, just one year later, um, Jack Parsons wrote another small book called the, uh, called the Book of the Antichrist. And guess what? In that book, now get this, this is written 69 years ago. In that book, he said that the spirit of this female child came to him in a vision, presented itself to him, told him, I'm alive, I'm on earth, I'm doing well, I'm healthy, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to help the Antichrist come to power. But why is this book important? 
because in one single line in the book of the Antichrist, written 69 years ago, he said the child identified herself to him and told him her name. And in this one line in Book of the Antichrist, she says, I am Hilarion, which is the arcane Hillary. It's where the name Hillary comes right, from. Right, right. It's the origin of the name Hillary. So uh, in my book, Saboteurs, I ask people out there, I say, you know, I want a mathematician, a statistician. I want somebody to come forward and tell me, uh, what are the statistical probabilities that the people around Hillary Clinton were practicing exactly the same magic as the Babylon working, that somebody born in 1947 would go on to become an internationally known feminist who could help move America away from its you know, male-dominated, patriarchal kind of religious system, uh, and, and more importantly, whose name is Hillary. Now, one final thing about this. Uh, by the way, is in 2020, Hillary Clinton will be 72 years of age. And 72 is the highest number in all of arcane occultism. It's the, it's the same year, by the way, that uh, Aliester Crowley died. He died when he was 70, 72 years of age. It's the number of demons in the Goetia. It's the number of, of, uh, of uh, pentagrams in the binding utility uh, inside the um, the Capitol Dome of the United States of America beneath the, uh, uh, you know, the famous painting by Brumidi of uh, George Washington becoming the god Osiris. Uh, it's a very, very, very important number, and that's the age that Hillary will be in 2020. Now, I, I, I got to jump Hillary's in here. Got a chance, by the way. No, let's uh, let's <laughs> just. Uh, just uh, stop, and we'll uh, pick it up on the other side. Thomas Horn, author of The Saboteurs, is with us, and we will uh, continue this very, very important discussion on the other side. My name is Richard Serrett. This is The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Before we get back to my uh, conversation with Thomas Horn, author of Saboteurs, just a very quick thank you to uh, Melanie Jacob, who sent this lovely Hanukkah card to me, and I just received it as I walked into the studio tonight. Thank you. Uh, what a wonderful, uh, beautiful card and a nice sentiment inside. Thank you so much, Melanie. All right, uh, Thomas Horn is uh, here. We are talking about uh, the shadow government. Interesting, you know, we're talking about uh, Hillary Clinton. wanted to get a quick uh, take on you about uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, good friend of the program, um, finding parallels between uh, Hillary Clinton uh, to the Old Testament figure of Jezebel, uh, who figured very, you know, large in the narrative of the uh, ancient Israeli kingdom uh, northern uh, of North Israel, or the Isra northern kingdom of Israel, uh, the, the parallels there are striking. Uh, Hillary Clinton as Jezebel. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, you know what's very interesting? Uh, Rabbi Kahn's a personal friend of mine. In fact, he was uh, here in uh, Missouri with me just recently. We were having conversations. He, uh, he had read Saboteurs, and he said, do you know that you know, in, his, uh, in his brand new book that just came out, that uh, he had written a chapter, and he gave me a copy of the book, and I'm sad to say I have yet not even read it. I've been too busy to read it, but he told me the same thing, that um, there was some stuff in there that he thought was very important to me. So what did you find that you liked? Well, the 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 parallels between the 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 character Jezebel in the Old Testament and how she is obviously uh, trying to introduce uh, goddess worship into the Northern Kingdom, and uh, that certainly uh, strikes a chord in terms of of, of Hillary. Uh, the other th- striking point is that Jezebel was really pushing for uh, you know child sacrifice in right. in uh, in the Northern Kingdom. And uh, what did the Clintons do? I mean, they were they were big proponents of of late term abortion. Um, so you know that's very striking. But the other thing is, that are the time, the time uh, frames in terms of how long Jezebel was on was on the scene in Israel, how long Hillary was on the scene, uh, the the confrontation between this warrior figure that takes on Jezebel in Israel, the warrior figure. Has great there's great parallels between the warrior and and uh, Donald Trump. It goes on and on and on, right right down to the day and the hour almost. It's it's unbelievable, Tom. There is some very strange stuff like that uh, right now. But between what you're telling me about Rabbi Kong, who again is a personal friend of mine, um, and. Uh, uh, and and not just Hillary. And by the way, again, let me emphasize to the people that are listening: uh, I was not able to uncover any evidence that Hillary Clinton was aware that the people around her were practicing the same ritual magic that connected her to the Babylon working, and that convinced me that these people believed that Hillary Clinton was the fulfillment of that working uh, in the lead up to the election that she lost. Uh, and I think it's why they were talking about uh, official disclosure, contiguous aliens, and a lot of other things. Um, uh, and, and I am aware of some of her, you know, efforts to communicate with the dead and things like that. But I wasn't able to make that connection. But but the other thing, though, uh, now that you've brought it up, and I wasn't even going to mention this, but the other part about the WikiLeaks that was very uh, concerning to me. And a lot of bloggers and conspiracy sites paid attention to, to this other part of the Podesta brothers uh, in 2016 and early 2017 when they spoke out on the so-called Pizzagate revelations. Yes. yes. That inferred that something there was going on that might be connected to Bill and Hillary Clinton having to do with underage children uh, that were being trafficked for use by very powerful political underworld figures uh, connected to them. And it it doesn't help that the WikiLeaks emails included some emails, interchanges, that had John Podesta talking about his close relationship with former Speaker of the House Dennis Hastert and people like that that, you know, went to prison for uh, sexually abusing boys. In fact, the judge called Hastert a serial child molester. Uh, he was released not long ago uh, after serving a little over a year of his sentence. 
Well, there was so many. There were the code language, the encrypted language in those emails, uh, according to even FBI agents, uh, really speak to uh, that that whole you know pedophilia uh, language. And whether that's connected to John Podesta, I don't know. But here's the thing: everyone, the mainstream media was focused on one particular pizza shop, which may or may not have been involved. Apparently, it wasn't. But that's not the story. There is this underlying uh, child sex ring that is going on in Washington, in Hollywood. We're just barely scratching the surface now uh, with these latest revelations uh, about Weinstein and so forth. I'm hoping, you know, that people will really start to come forward and speak about what is really going on in Hollywood above and beyond, you know, what is obviously a horrible situation with sexual harassment, but there's so much more to be told. Yeah. um, Look, I mean, regardless of whether, and we could go into all this if you want to, but whether everything surrounding the so-called Pizzagate um, uh, theory, uh, yeah, and they were using um, a lot of the key words that the FBI and the uh, you know other intelligence agencies are aware are kind of code words for pedophiles like hot dog and pizza and pasta and and all that little uh, things that represent little girls and little boys um, and. Uh, and then in the book Saboteurs, I also connect to that some of the, what I would call, occult pedophilic art collection that's part of the Podesta family. Certainly, Tony Podesta uh, uh, and, and displayed not just, that. And not just pedophilic stuff where he's got, you know, artwork that would probably get you or me or anybody else arrested, Right. Mm. That would be considered to be uh, pedophilia, but in their case defined as uh, artwork. But uh, but then other very very disturbing things like uh, you know John Podesta and uh, you know borrowing a piece of artwork from his brother. He's got hanging in his office, and it was one of the major like Washington Times whoever did an article on it, uh, where it shows like a dead human laying on a table and and. Two different people sitting there getting ready to cannibalize, getting ready oh, to dear, eat the human, and John Podesta saying it's better to be the guy that's, you know, doing the eating than the one being ate. Thomas, uh, i got to jump in here. This is uh, the, de- the depravity is uh, just unlimited. We'll be back. Thomas Horn, saboteurs, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Michael Fries from the uh, Order of Exorcists joins me in the uh, the second hour. Right now, Thomas Horn stays with us, the author of Saboteurs, Shadow Government in Quest of the Final World Order. I look at the, the progressive uh, left. I call them the fundamentalist progressives. And uh, who do they look up to? They look up to people like Margaret Sanger, the den mother of Planned Parenthood, which is now thankfully being investigated finally by the Department of Justice uh, for trading in... 
um, uh, fetal tissue uh, and fetal body parts, uh, body parts of the unborn. Uh, and then we have Saul Alinsky, of course, the author of uh, Rules for Radicals, who dedicated the book to Lucifer. Um, do these people who, who um, follow sort of in lockstep with, with, with the left not understand the, uh, the legacy, what's going on here? Oh, some of them absolutely do. Not only do they understand, they're devoted to an occult um, agenda. Um, you know, once again, and I don't want to keep mentioning the WikiLeaks, but one of the other things in WikiLeaks that was revealed, pictures. John Podesta took pictures of himself that he was emailing. He never thought these pictures were going to be shared with people outside of his inner circle. Um, but uh, John Podesta flashing hand symbols with the number 14 on one hand and a fish on the other hand. These, of course, were immediately identified by both myself and also investigators of occultism uh, as the necromantic symbols taken from uh, the myth of Osiris. 14 being the number of pieces Osiris was chopped into, and the fish being the uh, animal that ate the 14th piece of Osiris, which was his male organ. This is central, central, not only to the occult beliefs of ancient Egyptian uh, cosmology, how to raise the spirit of Osiris, but you can't walk in Washington, D.C. If you, if you understand the uh, meaning behind the prophecies on the great seal of the United States that speak to the second coming of the god Osiris. Uh, uh, if you can't read the um, biography of the vice president, Henry Wallace, who convinced uh, President Roosevelt uh, to put the great seal on the uh, $1 bill, and Henry Wallace wrote extensively about how uh, both he and Roosevelt believed that the Great Seal was a Masonic prophecy about the coming of a global future leader that would give rise to the New World Order. And Wallace kind of imagined himself. He fancied himself maybe getting to be that guy. Um, but you can't read any of these works and not understand the layout of Washington, D.C. Go today and stand in the, the mall of Washington, D.C., where the largest obelisk of its kind stands, uh, six, 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 six inches high, six, six, six inches wide along each line at the base. The Washington Monument, it's an Egyptian symbol. It's, a, the, it's the phallus of Osiris. Everybody anywhere knows that that's a fact. Um, then go over inside the dome, the U.S. Capitol Dome, and stand inside the U.S. Capitol Dome and ask yourself, why would Podesta be flashing the number 14 on one hand and a fish on the other? Stand inside the U.S. Capitol Dome and look up and see the apotheosis of George Washington, the famous painting by Brumidi. And there's George Washington. The official records, it, apotheosis means to become a god. What god is he becoming? The official records say he's becoming the first Osiris uh, uh, in uh, America. Look at the heaven that he's rising into. There's no Christian symbols there. Michael the Archangel 
isn't there. There's no cross of Jesus. There's nothing having to do with Christianity. It's ironic that people say that America was founded on Christianity. That's baloney if you're looking up inside that heaven. That heaven is filled with only pagan gods, and even the god uh, 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 that um, Manly P. Hall uh, described as filling the Freemasons' hands with the seething energies of Lucifer. Right below that are 72 pentagrams, which I mentioned earlier. Anyway, it's all occult symbolism that's very connected to John Podesta and what he's flashing on his hands. Well, what is he doing? Why is he doing that in relationship to Hillary Clinton? Because um, the idea is that in the future of America, based on the writings of Wallace, based on the prophecies on the great seal of the United States of America that come from the Kume Sibyl, the prophetess of the god Apollo, um, the day is coming in which an international leader is going to arrive on the world scene, uh, and all of the nations of the world are going to bow to him as essentially the god of planet Earth. This is all what they are working toward, is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Kume Sibyl. Uh, the fulfillment of the second coming of the god Osiris. I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and I realize I don't have time to go into the Egyptian manifestations of all of this and how the pharaoh would be taken on a barge during the festival of Opet up to the largest religious complex ever built, the Temple of Amun-Ra at Karnak. He would go inside the, the dome there, the ever-pregnant belly of Isis, and the uh, Egyptian uh, magicians would come inside and perform the raising of Osiris ceremony. And the book of Exodus tells us these Egyptians were very powerful in terms of their occult enchantments. Uh, but they would bring about the raising of Osiris, the seed of Osiris drawn up from the underworld through the testes of the obelisk. It would emit into the dome of Isis where Pharaoh was standing, and Pharaoh would be transmogrified. What so, has that got to do with anything? Well, that was supposed to happen in the United States were it not for the election of the 45th president, Donald J. Trump, I'm guessing. That's exactly right, because if listeners to this want to know what I'm babbling about, at, at the election of every American president, when he's standing inside the Capitol Dome in America... Above him, the first Osiris, George Washington, and the, and the Pythagorean binding utility that's supposed to bind the 72 cosmocrators to accomplish the will of the, uh, of, of the people seeking them. Uh, the president stands right below that during his inauguration, looking out at the obelisk, just like the ancient pharaoh did. But guess what's going on across town? I've been there. I've been inside the temple room on a private tour with 33rd-degree Freemasons. And inside the temple room, where the altar sets, and above it, the uh, uh, um, 666 um, magic square that in Greek mythology brought about the, the raising of Apollo. Apollo and Osiris are both mixed in all these metaphors. Again, we're going to run out of time. I don't have time to explain why. But the, uh, the modern magicians, the Egy modern Egyptian magicians, are performing the raising of Osiris ceremony in that temple, just a little ways away from the White House at the inauguration of every American president. Well, anyway, I go into all of that 
explain all of it in the book Saboteurs. By the way, we just also released another book called The Day the Earth Stands Still. It, too, takes off on what was revealed in the WikiLeaks. That's by uh, Derek Gilbert, the host of my television program, Skywatch TV. Yes. And uh, Josh Peck. Have you had them on your program? I've had Derek on the program, and we'll have him back on, uh, and you as well. You're just uh, both uh, terrific. Let me just ask you as we, we head into the, uh, the, uh, into the top of the hour break here, and that is Trump versus the occultic deep state. Uh, what, do you, what do you believe? Is he, is he going to win? I think that Trump, um, you know, the, uh, the rabbis, you mentioned Rabbi Khan, but the rabbis in Israel right now, the um, Orthodox rabbis, um, there's at least a half dozen of them that believe that Donald Trump is a Cyrus figure. So, in other words, not necessarily, you know, a perfect religious figure, and even a pagan, perhaps, but somebody necess- nevertheless used by God raised up, put into this position, because he is not owned by the cross-party monopoly in Washington, D.C., the Republicans and the Democrats, right, the, the establishment. He's not owned by them. He just does what he wants to do. Uh, and he is imperfect, to say the least. But rabbis in Israel believe he's been raised up by God. Uh, and that, and in fact, especially following his declaration last week of Jerusalem as the, you know, um, the capital of Israel, uh, they now are saying that he's being used by God to give rise to the Messianic era. Now, I'm a Christian, so my worldview would be different than theirs. If they say he's giving rise to the Messianic era, I look at that and think, okay, well, in my interpretation, that would mean he's, he's going to help give rise to the Antichrist. Now, that doesn't necessarily make him a bad guy. That just means that he's pushing uh, Israel. He's pushing uh, Jerusalem. Uh, this could help. In fact, some of the rabbis also talking about him being the guy paving the way for the building of the next temple, the third temple. But in, but in uh, uh, you know, Western uh, evangelicalism, uh, especially dispensationalism, uh, many scholars would say, well, then that means that a third temple could be built, but the Daniel, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus all talk about the temple being defiled by the coming man of sin. Yeah, so, that has to come first before the so, second yeah, coming. So his efforts could be leading literally to the second coming of Jesus, but before that it could lead to the coming of Antichrist. Not that I'm saying that Obama, excuse me, not that I'm saying that Trump would want that to happen. Right, he's moving biblical prophecy yeah, along. could certainly be. Thomas, uh, obviously far too much to discuss in an hour. I'd love to have you back on. I hope you'll join us again. Well, I'm glad to be here. And by the way, for anybody that wants to get the book Saboteurs, go to skywatchtv.com. They're giving away like $500 in product over there with the release of that book and also Day the Earth Stands Still. So get it there. It's cheaper than Amazon anyway. Give us the the web, web again. Yeah, skywatchtv.com. Skywatchtv.com. Thomas, thank you. Great pleasure. Hey, man, Richard. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Michael Fries, The Order of Exorcists. On the other side, stay with us.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A hearty how-do to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM here in Toronto. Hi to all of you who are catching us on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And let's welcome our new affiliate, WETR AM FM uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's uh, 760 AM and 92.3 FM. They're joining us or coming aboard uh, January the 7th actually. And uh, I believe they will uh, carry this program Sunday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Hello to all of you who uh, listen to this transmission via the uh, the podcast. Uh, those of you who subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, you can also stream it uh, or download it at TalkZone.com. Uh, don't forget, of course, the uh, the new podcast, three times a week, Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited, iTunes, Stitcher. You can also subscribe at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Please share it and review it. Those of you who watch this radio program on our YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, uh, please hit the uh, the sub button. We're trying to get to 10,000 at some point. I think we're around 6,500. So you can help us uh, inch forward uh, to that 10,000 mark. And all of you, who, of course, who join us in the uh, the live chat on the uh, the YouTube channel, you're so supportive and loyal, and uh, we uh, we appreciate your, uh, your joining in every week without fail. Uh, hi to all of you. Uh, so wherever and however you're listening, I bid you the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, I guess we're going to sort of continue on in... Um, this theme that we started in our first hour with uh, Thomas Horn talking about occultism in Washington. And uh, we're going to explore whether the the global elite uh, possessed and under the control of a Luciferian cult is desperately trying to install the reign of the Antichrist. And uh, I, um, as I mentioned, I truly believe this is at the heart of all conspiracies, really at the heart of all we talk about on this program. It is the unseen realm, the spirit realm, that we're really talking about. Michael Fries is the author of They Bore the Wounds of Christ, The Mystery of the Sacred Stigmata. And um, his various national television shows include The Phil Donahue Show, The Lisa Show, The History Channel, numerous appearances on Mother Angelica Live. Uh, they Bore the Wounds of Christ, The Mystery of the, Sac- the Sacred Stigmata was a bestseller for Our Sunday Visitor and has received many nationally acclaimed p- uh, positive critical reviews. His books, The Complete Guide to Demonology and the Spirits of Darkness, available at Amazon, as is Demonology, the Devil and the Spirits of Darkness, Evil Spirits, Spiritual Warfare. Michael Fries, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Great. How are you? My uh, Great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell me about uh, the Order of Exorcists. Who are you? What do you do? Well, I um, am not a priest. I'm a lay, I'm a lay Franciscan, hence the uh, SFO after my name. You may see that stands for Secular Franciscan Order. 
but uh, they've um, kind of revised that too. Now it's like the order of a uh, uh, Franciscan secular. I mean, they've played around with the uh, subtitle, but that's what my um, title after my name is on my on my book. So I, I'm a lay Franciscan, is what I am, and I've done a lot of research on uh, various things with the uh, with the Church, the Catholic Church. Uh, Mostly in the mystical theology kind of realm, you know, uh, things like supernatural phenomena, uh, unexplained uh, events, miracles, uh, that kind of a thing. I did a lot of work on the sacred stigmata, and uh, that's kind of where my uh, interest and uh, study lies. And demonology just kind of came along with uh, with a lot of that, because when I started writing about the stigmata, of course I was uh, doing a lot of research on Padre Pio, the stigmatist from uh, San Giovanni Rotondo in Italy, and of course now a saint. And he had a lot of battles with the evil spirit and uh, the demons. And I did a lot of research on that and talked to some people that knew him very well when when he was alive, and they explained in depth uh, a lot of the battles he went through. And so that just kind of fascinated me. And I think that's where I really began studying that from that point on many years ago. I seem to recall uh, the Catholic Church uh, declaring that they need more exorcists. What's going on? Well, you know, I, there's been a lot of, um, actually there's been a lot of uh, TV specials on that, too, and even on YouTube. I've noticed, I've watched a number of uh, uh, of documentaries on that very topic, and, and you know, they quote anywhere from several hundred to about 500 uh, appointed exorcists around the world in the Church right now. So there are a lot more of them than people realize, but it's still not, there's really not a, a lot overall, though, in, in, compared to all the dioceses in, in, in the world. But uh, the, the whole thought on this is that there seems to be a more active presence of the evil spirit working in uh, the world throughout humanity these days, and especially with the rise and increase in the occult uh, people engaged with uh, dabbling with witchcraft and uh, sorcery, magic, spells, things like the Ouija board, uh, sat- well, Satanism in, in its many forms. And uh, there does seem to be a, a need for uh, for more people that are qualified to handle this kind of uh, eerie topic, this uh, phenomena that's going on. Uh, it hasn't really been talked about too greatly in the Catholic uh, field, because they're, they're kind of quiet about that. They really don't like talking about possession. And yeah, they seem embarrassed by the topic. They seem embarrassed by the topic. claim everything is caused by the devil. A lot of times that's not the case, so they don't want to make a big uh, a situation out of something that may not be real. But nevertheless, the Church does acknowledge, acknowledge it's real, and they do seem to be acknowledging that there's more need for for exorcists in the world today. Um, they could be dealing with the, the simple deliverance prayer, or it might be an official or solemn exorcism, if need be, and, and appointed by a bishop in a particular diocese. I think it was Pope Paul the... Uh, I, I think it was Pope John Paul II, or was it Pope Paul VI? Uh, I don't remember which one, but one of them had said that... Uh, one of the things in the world today we're battling with is the presence of evil in our world. And he's very real, uh, unlike a lot of people who uh, brush it off lightly. And uh, one of his greatest tools 
is to try to make people think he doesn't exist so they can operate in the world unaware, disguised, kind of like what we hear in the uh, New Testament, where St. Paul said that the uh, devil often disguises himself as an angel of light to deceive many. And uh, so even uh, the Pope has uh, acknowledged uh, his presence is more active now, and we have to really realize that it's a reality that we have to deal with. As a layperson, Michael, do you Mm -hmm. play any part in the rite of exorcism? Pardon me on that one? As a layperson, what is your involvement in the rite of exorcism? Uh, I've never been involved uh, personally in any uh, uh, formal or uh, exorcisms as far as being a witness or an assistant, although they do hire people that... uh, that are in many cases, especially if they're uh, doctors or psychologists, uh, things of that nature, nature, or maybe a second priest might be there to assist when they're training them to uh, to learn uh, learn uh, all the ropes about that. But uh, for me, it's just been a matter of study and uh, talking to people who have been involved with this phenomena uh, in person. So I've never actually been involved with any exorcism kind of uh, situations myself. Uh, what do you make of the, um, it seems to be the, um, I'll call it the world tour of this Arch of Baal uh, that is going around. They are um, uh, recreating this this arch that was dedicated to the, uh, the demon god Baal. Uh, there was an opening, uh, there was a ceremony in New York, there was one in London, I believe there was one in Paris. Uh, what does that portend, do you think? You know, I've heard about that, and I'm not too uh, familiar with all the details, but I just, uh, you know, it's scary. Again, it's, it's, it's another realization that, and a recognition that uh, these things are going on, and, and there is something uh, um, evil behind it. It's not, I, I really think that the uh, devil is operating in, in a lot of these uh, cults and movements, I guess you would call it, that are occurring today. Uh, and, uh, you know, like a lot of people uh, would say, well, how do you know it's not just a, it's just another cult or a fad? Well, it may be, but even with the Illuminati, for instance, uh, there seems to be a resurgence in interest in that and membership, membership of uh, people in the Illuminati. Well, this goes on and on and on, though. It's not just that. And I think that it's just an awareness that the uh, evil spirit is acting behind the scenes, getting people engaged in this to, de- to detract people from, from the humble uh, lifestyle and the faith that they were supposed to be living through Jesus Christ. Now, uh, again, specifics on any particular phenomena or movement, I don't think that there's any one. I think it's a whole series, a combination of movements that are occurring simultaneously that makes one think that there is a momentum, an increase in um, the active presence of evil. Well, you, you, if you look at the, the television schedule, for example, right. um, so many television programs and so many movies, motion pictures that are being released now, are sort of dedicated to this theme of the paranormal, the occult, demonology, vampires, and so forth. What do you think is at work here? You know, I, I, again, same thing. I think that there's something behind that, that uh, there's an evil uh, influence. It may be subtle, 
but it is reaching the masses, and of course, the devil would operate within the arena of how he can reach people at any given particular era or generation. And our generation, of course, is radio, television, the Internet, any kind of communicative work. Uh, that seems to be the, the ticket there. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it all kind of seemed to really stem with uh, the popularity of the movie The Exorcist. And then, then it kind of uh, blossomed into other films that really ignited this interest in people, such as the Amityville Horror. I'm sure you're familiar with that movie, too. Oh, yes. Yes, and that's scary, too. The Exorcist was probably the scariest movie I've ever seen, but very realistic, based on a true story, by the way. Same, with, supposedly, with the Amityville Horror. But then you, then you have sequels. Yeah, you've had, like, three Exorcist movies and, like, three or four Amityville movies, and then you start getting into other movies like Halloween, and then you get into a, that kind of a series. There's kind of an evil, an evil uh, presence uh, underlying those themes. And, uh, you know, I can go on and on and on, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, whatever. And yes, I think there's a, a real prevalence in that, and it's very easy to see what's popular, what's selling in terms of the book publishing world, television shows, videos, documentaries, and so forth. All right, Michael, Again, I'll take I a... I don't think it's just an accident, because uh, decades ago, we might have had a few scary shows, scary books, but... Uh, Things didn't focus that much. No, not like on today, the dark Michael. Side of humanity. I'll take you now. We got to move into, into it. Absolutely, we'll take a, t- a quick time. I'll come back. Michael Freeze, SFO, from the uh, Order of Exorcists, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Michael Fries is uh, with us. He is a a lay member of the Franciscan Order, and we are talking about demonology. The author of, uh, I think it's about eight books, including They Bore the Wounds of Christ, The Mystery of the Sacred Stigmata, also The Complete Guide to Demonology and the Spirits of Darkness, and Demonology, the Devil and the Spirits of Darkness. Uh, Michael, how can we tell, how can one tell if someone was being oppressed, possessed by a demon versus some kind of mental disorder? Hi, Richard. Are you, can you hear me? I can. Yeah, you were saying about eight books. You know, I've actually, just real quickly, uh, I have a 12-book, uh, 12. 12-volume 12 series on demonology. I've got an old bio, bio I guess. I'm, yeah, I mean, okay. I've, had a, I've had a lot more works over the years published, uh, all available through Amazon, but they were all reviewed and uh, given the imprimatur of our, by a former bishop uh, of Helena, Montana, in the Diocese of Helena. So they've been reviewed and approved for uh, being worthy of the faithful to read. Then I've also written a book that uh, uh, on the uh, Roman ritual, the ritual Romanum. Yes, the, the right of uh, the Roman ritual uh, according to more contemporary uh, uh, times and some of the revisions they've had. So I, I've done a, quite a bit of uh, work. But you were you were indicating uh, how do we know if something is um, truly uh, coming from an origin that is evil versus. Uh, Something that may just be psychologically induced? Is that yes. what you were getting at? Yes, 100%. Yes. 
Um, well, basically, that's <laughs> that's a difficult question, but I guess to say to say briefly, the, the Catholic Church has always has always had a very thorough, stringent uh, exploration into a reported case of possession or any kind of diabolical influence in the life of a person that's being brought before them. They do investigate the uh, person um, that is uh, suspected. They always have uh, a psychologist and a psychiatrist thoroughly examine them, you know, medical doctors, to try to rule out any possible human explanation. And they do tests to see if there's something behind these uh, reported cases that could explain them from natural means, such as uh, the psychological illnesses, schizophrenia, uh, any kind of psychosis like that. Um, and a lot of people that um, who appear like antisocial, maybe sociopaths, that tend to not be, uh, um, you know, they don't have any normal human reactions, or they act very violently. Sometimes they swear and yell and cuss and get physically strong and aggressive towards people. Uh, they, they check into this to see if that could be explained. And oftentimes, matter of fact, more than half the times, they do find an explanation that is psychologically based, if not physiologically based, to rule out the possibility that it's a true demonic uh, infestation, oppression, or possession. But if they do pass those tests, there are a lot of signs they look for that further would explain whether they believe uh, that there's some diabolical influence going on, and I can explain them in a bit if you want me to. Yes, please. Let's go into that. Well, uh, if you rule out these psychosomatic kind of illnesses, um, then they also look for other telltale signs to see if somebody is actually under the influence of the devil. And first, it usually is a case of starting out with just a diabolical influence or infiltration into the person. They might be obsessed and get involved by opening up a door, such as playing with the Ouija board, being involved with seances, the occult, trying to uh, get involved with uh, calling upon spirits, uh, those kinds of things. And if they do, and they they adhere to uh, kind of... uh, symptoms that indicate they're really uh, fascinated and obsessed with this darker side of reality, the spiritual side. Then they also look for other signs such as, does the person who appears to be under the influence of the evil one, do they, can they speak in a foreign language they've never been able to speak before in their lives? Right, right. Somebody may blurt out something in ancient Aramaic or Hebrew or Greek, um, and they've never learned that language before. But yet, there's another thing that they have when they investigate, is they have linguists who are specialized in these ancient religions to be able to recognize what they're saying. And then that's one. The other thing would be superhuman strength. Um, Are they able to lift things, throw things, um, in ways that we normally can't manifest as humans, like ten times stronger than normal? the repulsion and violence towards any religious object or anything uh, spoken religiously, prayers, if you see a crucifix on the wall, statues, images of anything religious, there's usually a real violent reaction. Having them near or in a church, violent reaction. 
another thing is use the use of blessed holy water. If it's if it's brought out and sprinkled on them, everybody has seen this in the movies, I'm sure. But they do react violently, and sometimes their skin welts. It actually burns when this water is sprinkled on them versus tap water, which the victim would not know whether it's blessed or not. Correct. Um, things like that, and then being able to read the person's mind in ways that only that person would know about things and nobody else. They can read their inner hearts and souls. They can blurt out sins that any given person had somewhere during their past life or current life that nobody really knew about. And they can tell in remarkable detail everything about that sin. And it just, uh, it's just overwhelming. There's no way to explain it uh, in a sort of a natural means. Those are some of the stench, foul stench and odors in a room. Variations in temperature, we've all heard this too. Those things are also checked and investigated um, during, uh, during this whole process. And so um, there's many more, but those are some of the, uh, the most important things they look for if they rule out the psychological uh, issues. How about and levitation? Then, of course, they, How about levitation? Levitation is another one. Yes, uh, many uh, who are possessed, not all, but many who are possessed have been known to levitate off the floor uh, in the presence of a priest, uh, or even just in a family home, just to scare. They, they love to scare people and get them all raveled up uh, because it kind of uh, it sort of shakes up their faith when they're we're in this when they're in this evil presence. So they they thrive on fear, fearing, uh, uh, scaring people. But levitating off the floor, uh, climbing on walls, climbing on ceilings, if they're strapped down, that human human strength of uh, being able to bust. Uh, ropes or uh, whatever they have that's binding them down, uh, and then levitating maybe off the bed. Uh, again, the exorcist very realistically portrayed some cases where beds literally shake and the whole bed raises up off the ground when an exorcism is being uh, performed. Uh, poltergeist activity is another one. Items will get thrown around the room. Uh, doors will open and slam. So will the drawers, um, sometimes dangerously so. Items will be thrown and smashed against the wall, aiming at a priest or any participant at an exorcist. So it's a very dangerous mission that you don't want to dabble with unless you really have experience and, according to the Catholic Church, have the authority of a local bishop, which kind of embodies part of the collective unit of the authority of the Church under Jesus Christ to go through with this. If you just try to do this on your own, can be very dangerous because the devil uh, has been around forever. I mean, you cannot outsmart the devil. If you suspect uh, yourself or a loved one is under the influence of a demon, what is the process? How do you get help? And what if you're not a Catholic? Well, the Catholic Church does acknowledge that uh, non-Catholics do have issues with possession, uh, diabolical influence, obsession, and they don't per se acknowledge uh, any authority that uh, that's in another church because obviously they have their own beliefs about that, but they do acknowledge it happens in other religions, and that, so that's sort of a, a Catholic thing on that, that authority of the church 
which was came from the apostolic succession um, of the apostles, but uh, through, of course, Jesus Christ. But as far as what do they do, they, well, right now, every diocese is supposed to be a point, have a, have a, 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 an official exorcist pointed in the United States and Europe everywhere. They don't have them everywhere yet, but they're getting close. So in most dioceses, even in the United States or Canada, um, there, there is probably an, uh, an assigned exorcist that's had some training, and he usually has to go to Rome to take special courses and classes on this, and then assist at some exorcisms to uh, gain that uh, firsthand experience. There's usually one somewhere that a bishop has appointed in each diocese, but they don't advertise it because, again, it's not something that's that they say is real common. It's kind of a rare thing when they get to the point of of uh, authorizing a solemn or formal exorcism. So if you suspect you have a family member, or if it's you personally, are you going to have to really persist and persuade them, this is real, I'm not kidding around, I really need some help, because are they going to perhaps, I don't want to use the word obfuscate here, but are they going to sort of, because they are, it seems like they're a little bit shy about acknowledging this, are they going to maybe throw up some obstacles initially? Well, you know, there is the issue of uh, it's an embarrassing thing for somebody to come out and say, I've got a demon in my house, or a demon's influencing me personally, or my, my, my child. Um, it's embarrassing because uh, people think you're nuts. Or it may not be true. There might be some psychological thing behind it. It might be something wrong with the electrical wiring in your home or whatever. It could be a prank being played on somebody. So people are uh, reluctant to say anything, but if they, if they do feel it's sincere, uh, the, the Church does allow people to uh, practice what you call simple, simple exorcisms, which are kind of like deliverance ministries in non-Catholic kind of terminology. It's a deliverance ministry with deliverance prayers, that one can say um, around their home uh, with, a, with a cross or a crucifix in their hand, praying to God, praying to Jesus for protection, and for the person or the home, because demons have been known to infest homes and animals as well as people. Um, they, have a, they have something about uh, liking a location, something about a location that they're really attached to. So you can uh, perform simple deliverance ministry or prayers, but if it if if it's simple, and it's and a person isn't too far under the say possession or influence of a devil or a demon, uh, that usually will keep keep the evil force out of the picture. A lot of times, a priest will be called in to come in and bless a home. You've heard that many times. He'll come in, say a few simple prayers, have his crucifix go around and bless all the rooms, and a lot of times that solves it. Um, again, it might just be a case of just a slight infiltration, but if it really gets down to a real obsession or possession, that's not going to work. It's just going to provoke and anger the evil spirit, and then you can be in danger if you don't act, if you don't act out and ask for the assistance of a local priest who uh, has more authority with dealing with the uh, evil spirit as a representative of the universal church than you do just going around saying simple prayers. 
So, but one usually can tell if, one, if a home or a person is being provoked to the point where these simple prayers aren't working. And then you do need the assistance of uh, those in authority that can help. We are heading into a break, but let me ask you this, and we can continue the conversation once we hear the music coming up and we head into a break, and there it is now. But let me ask you, and for the other side, and that is, who gets targeted? Who is more likely uh, to be the target of a demonic uh, possession? Uh, We'll uh, address that on the other side. Michael Fries a layperson with the Franciscan Order, the author of uh, over a dozen books, including The Complete Guide to Demonology and the Spirits of Darkness. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4. 740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740. Or toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Welcome back. Michael Fries is with us. His website demonologysite.wordpress.com. Is that the best site, Michael? You know, actually, um, that's varied. But I think the best uh, place to maybe get me would be to go on Amazon.com and just search for my name, Michael Space. Freeze, F-R-E-Z-E, with one E in the middle. Um, and you could just type uh, demonology, for instance, right after that, and there should be a whole list of uh, my works that come up. Uh, everything's there collectively that way. And, yes, and there, there are a lot of works, over a dozen. Uh, I wanted to ask you whether you're familiar with... Um, um, this was a, a board-certified psychiatrist... This was a guy that uh, was a graduate of Princeton University. He trained in psychiatry at Yale. Uh, Dr. Richard Gallagher, he wrote uh, in, it's a Catholic publication, uh, New Oxford Review, about what he described as a genuine case of demonic possession. Dr. Richard Gallagher, are you familiar with his case? I'm familiar with him, his name, but I haven't studied his case. No, I have not. It, it, I, I tell you, I, um, I went down to Yonkers, New York, or uh-huh. near Yonkers, and, um, at, at a seminary there, and I visited with him and interviewed him for a television show. And uh, he described this case that he was involved with, and later he put me in touch with a priest from uh, New York City who participated in the exorcism of this particular individual, a patient of Dr. Gallagher's. Uh, I have never been more frightened in my life uh, because here I had this man of science uh, talking to me in great detail about what he described as a genuine case of demonic possession. He had no other explanation after treating this young, this woman. Um, and the things that he described, how he and Dr. Gallagher would be in a private con- telephone conversation with this priest, and all of a sudden, this patient, her voice would come on the, on the line, on the telephone line, and start talking in a very demonic voice. Through his voice? Uh, no, her voice, but she uh-huh. would just all of a sudden appear into the telephone conversation. Oh. 
and uh, she knew things about uh, the, their their personal history that nobody would have known. Right. Uh, it, it was I, absolutely chilling. And when I I reached out to this priest. Um, for a telephone interview for the television show, and and um, he cautioned me that you know if we're going to talk about these things, uh, we're opening ourselves up to a possible possession. He then proceeded to, to to say a prayer over us. Do you believe that if you, let's say for example, you we're talking about this right now on the radio, are we opening ourselves up to a possession? Are we inviting a possible uh, possession? Well, in cases like if you're. Um if you're dealing with somebody that is around, uh, directly involved with a possible demonic obsession or possession, yes, it can be dangerous because the the evil one knows what's going on, and he's going to react violently. He, it's a challenge. He does not want to be expelled. So you will find a reaction, a negative reaction. Sometimes it's not just scary. That's one of his tax, tactics is to scare people away. But he doesn't want to go through an exorcism. But, um, yeah, that, that's opening yourself up to the possibility of, of dragging yourself into being attacked, too, even if you weren't the original target. You were asking me earlier, uh, before the break, uh, what kinds of people are most likely to um, maybe uh, be attra- or have the uh, evil one attracted to yes, them. Yes, yes, thank you. And I was trying to think about that, and I came up with a few... Uh, points that I think are important. Um, I don't see the, the average uh, sort of middle ground person that's a religious person, whether they're Catholic, Jewish, uh, Protestant, whatever. You don't hear about cases of that occurring too often. Usually you hear it on the other extreme ends. It's usually either children or teenagers uh, who are not fully formed or shaped in their thoughts and their faith and their maturity yet. So they're easily influenced and vulnerable to uh, evil uh, uh, influences. Uh, They can be attacked and taken over, and that's why you even see movies about that and hear hear, uh, different articles and documentaries on that. A lot of times it's young people. On the other extreme, if somebody is um, not religious at all, they're either proclaimed atheists, or they just never have really gone to church or prayed much, or they've never been baptized, which is a, which is a type of uh, simple exorcism, by the way. It's not a formal, solemn exorcism, but baptism as a sacrament of the Catholic Church is a type of, of a simple exorcism, because you are inviting the Holy Spirit into your life and, and, and gaining that presence in your soul that is a protection from the evil one. Um, So those type of people that have never done that, have never been religious, the evil one uh, often gets into their lives very easily because he doesn't want to be uh, recognized. Like I was saying earlier, uh, in uh, St. Paul's letter, he said that the devil likes to go around disguised as as an angel in light to deceive many. That's how he does his best work. Uh, and you can account all kinds of people of this. Our mass murderer is influenced by the evil one. Our child molester is influenced by the evil one. How about dope addicts, drug addicts? A uh, possibility. Um, and he also goes after people that are in vulnerable emotional crises. People that are seriously ill. People that maybe go through marriage or divorces. 
people that are fighting in the home all the time. It's an invitation to uh, disturb the soul. All right, Michael, I'll uh, stop you right there. We'll take a time out. Come back. Michael Fries, a layperson with the Franciscan Order, the complete guide to demonology and spirits of darkness. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back. Michael Fries is with us. And uh, we are talking about uh, demonic possession. Michael, how do you think the the whole alien abduction phenomena fits into this, or does it? I'll get to that in a second, uh, or maybe uh, in a while I, I want to finish answering the question you uh, posed earlier. I did have another type of class of people that are most prone to being attacked by the evil spirit. But All right. If you want right. to wait on that, we can. No, 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 please proceed. Uh, just kind of wrapping that up, I, I had mentioned earlier it's the young, vulnerable, um, um, not mature yet uh, in their faith or as human type of people like teenagers and children who are vulnerable to attacks, and so are people that are not religious, haven't been baptized, and so forth. Those who are under a particular uh, crises in their life, whether it's an illness or divorce, or maybe they're uh, under an addiction, those kinds of things. But, you know, ironically, there's another type of person that we don't usually think would be under direct attack by the evil spirit, and that's the holiest of God's uh, chosen souls. That makes those, sense. Those servants of God, the, the Catholic Church calls saints, um, they are attacked a lot. If you look and read the lives of the saints, uh, a lot, relentlessly, by the evil spirit or his demons. Why is that if they're so close to God? Well, the theory behind that, according to... Uh, well, Joseph Pius Martin, who was a friend of Padre Pio that I got to know and talk to, uh, said that Padre Pio was attacked every night, and he was beaten often, and he would hear voices and see uh, uh, visions of the devil. Uh, the devil hates anybody that gets very close to God, those that are holy and live uh, heroic uh, lives of virtue, because they're, they're so closely representing Christ. And, of course, the evil one hates Jesus Christ because he uh, died on the cross to... Uh, rid us of his um, influence of sin. Um, they hate people that are extremely holy, so they go and attack those people. It doesn't mean they're all going to be possessed, but they are attacked. And so that's something people have to be aware of. If you draw closer to God, you have to be on guard, because the devil is always there, uh, like, you know, like a lion trying to devour its uh, prey. And that's another thing from Scripture. So one gets closer to God, you have to remain humble because the devil is still right there uh, behind the corner. Well, how about for you personally, Michael? Uh, I've known, well, you know, times have come up where I've felt the evil presence. I think, thank God, I have not uh, had any, like, direct physical attacks uh, or any real direct verbal statements to me. But I've felt the presence in, in ways that I know it's evil and especially when I was doing all my work on my, uh, all my books on demonology. I just tried to block it out. I prayed a lot. I just, you know, I've always had a, a crucifix at hand. I didn't uh, get paranoid about it, but uh, I could feel a presence. I could feel like a weight in the room. I could feel an eerie, eerie something watching me, 
and hoping I wouldn't finish my work. I mean, the pressure was there all the time. And then when I was done, it let up, you know, so, but, you know, and then even now when I, when I um, do talks or if I promote my books or whatever, I sense that presence, that weight, and it's not visible, but I know it's there. It's kind of hard to describe. You just know, you can sense it. How about as we're talking now? Not really. Um, not now. I mean, I have had that happen, but I feel okay right now. The only reason I say that is because I, I believe that God gave me kind of an apostolate, a gift, a vocation to do what I'm doing. And as long as I try to main, remain steadfast and uh, not, uh, not succumb to this pressure um, and don't get, uh, you know, freaked out or afraid, um, I've been lucky so far, you know, uh, thanks to God. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the pressure is even there now in a way that when we won't talk, uh, something's lifted off. So I think there is something opposing what I do uh, without being able to physically prove it, uh, you know, with tape recorders or having a witness seeing something flying around the room. But that doesn't matter. It can still be there in a, in a silent, invisible, but very real personal way. All right, let's take a call. Michael is in Thornhill tonight this morning. Michael, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Go ahead. Thank you, Richard. Hello, Michael. I'm My name is Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi. talk tonight. I'm wondering, your Jesuit uh, influence uh, is obviously more scientific because they are, right? Well, yes, they are, and I'm Franciscan. But yes, the Jesuits seem to have a, a particular uh, history, a track record of uh, studying these things and being involved with them. And there's a lot of Jesuit exorcists in different dioceses probably because of their intellectual nature and their studies of mystical and moral theology, uh, spiritual theology. It's probably because that's sort of been their, their um, uh, expertise. Whereas like Franciscans, Dominicans, others, others are Carmelites. Not to say they learn that way either, but they're more, they're more into uh, uh, the simple life of uh, chastity, poverty, obedience, uh, humility, family, friendship, spreading the gospel. So and it's just a difference of, of, uh, of what their focus has been. Yesterday there was a major announcement by the U.S. governments regarding UFO uh, detection. Oh, okay. Um, and, and I noticed that uh, a lot of the, the major new media has not mentioned it and uh, I was wondering, because I've been studying social media, and, mm -hmm. and some people seem to think that it's a demonic thing. Do, do you have any that, well, that, 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 that's, that? That's where so we like, were going previously, Michael. Thank you for, for revisiting that. Yeah. Yes, the whole the, the UFO phenomena, the alien abduction phenomena. Uh, where do you think that fits into demonology? You know, that's an interesting question. I don't have a an exact answer for that either. I, I guess it's possible it could be something from, from uh, the demonic world that's uh, causing these manifestations. Maybe you might want to call them hallucinations, mental control, like the abduction kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a real strange topic. It, it really doesn't even seem to... Uh, they don't even really talk about the presence of evil or 
or evil thoughts necessarily when they talk about UFO sightings or abductions. Uh, so I don't know if there's a connection or not. You know, the Old Testament has a lot of, alludes to a lot of references to flying objects seen in the sky, you know, Elijah and all these uh, prophets and so forth. And does that necessarily mean it's diabolical? Um, no, not really. So in my opinion, I, I think that um, I'm of the belief that could, there could be other lives and other uh, planets or uh, somewhere out in the solar system, the universe, that we're not aware of. It's possible. I don't think God uh, said he hasn't created anything anywhere else. Um, so I think it's always possible that, that it could be real. The abduction thing to me is a little bit, I have a hard time buying that one. I, I just don't know if there's really been that much proof from anybody well, the, that... The U.S. government released footage of uh, an example. and of what, uh, Not of an abduction, have, not of an abduction, exactly. of, a, of a pilot uh, a footage of what appeared to be, well, which was a, a, an unidentified flying object, but that's a long Correct. way from saying that there's proof of extraterrestrial life or that there's proof of alien abduction. Uh, well, Michael, you know what? Uh, my answer to that is maybe there is extraterrestrial life somewhere. Uh, under God's good design, maybe he created that too. I don't even if we have proof, really we don't have proof, I think it's possible God, what without it having to have anything to do with a sort of a diabolical origin. Okay, Michael and Thornhill, thank you for the call. I want to move on. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you. William is in Toronto. William, good evening. Hi. So more of a biblical perspective, uh, it says in the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, says, Behold, falling uh, from heaven, and uh, and he gives you power to tread on uh, scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you, no poison shall kill you. You've got the power to cast out the demons uh, by yourself. You bind them up, you loosen them from you, and you cast them out, and you sentence them to the abyss or wherever God wants to do with them. It's as simple as that. And uh, it's all about good and evil. There's no extraterrestrials. It's it's all demons and shapeshifters and and things of the sort. And I'd like your guests comment on what I've said. All right, William. He says, uh, Michael. It's his. Uh, you, I guess he's basically saying even a lay person can cast out demons. No, no Catholic rite of exorcism is is uh, necessary. Well, yes. Yeah, so see now. Uh Everybody has the right to do simple exorcisms by means of like what we call deliverance prayer, deliverance ministries, praying in the name of Jesus for protection, to uh, for the evil spirit to be to be gone, to command in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, and Jesus, that's very biblical. Jesus taught his followers to go out in my name and cast out demons and to heal and heal the sick and and so forth. Well, he did, but in a way, he was also commissioning his apostles, when he said that, he, he, he more or less kind of limited that to those 12 disciples, at least what we know from the Gospels, to uh, his direct followers that he commissioned to be uh, under his authority. And then, of course, it's an argument with Catholics and non-Catholics whether, you know, Peter was the first, uh, you know, the, the first true apostle that led, you know, the rock of the Church, and then, and then there's all this apostolic succession over the centuries, that's kind of where the Church basically has this rule of apostolic succession and authority to actually get involved with serious or formal cases of exorcism. But simple cases of demonic presence or, or uh, infiltration into a life or a home, 
we all have that ability and encouraged to do so, as a matter of fact. Unless it gets real dangerous, then one has to call on somebody with a higher authority under Christ. Because you we gotta... all, like St. Paul said, are given many different gifts of the Spirit. Not everybody has the same gift. And hence, that's another, uh, there's a theological basis behind that, too. Different gifts for different people uh, to... Uh, to fulfill God's plan and design. All right, William in Toronto, thank you for that. Michael, just about out of time. Quick question, then. Uh, we talked about the sort of the alien uh, question. What about what about hauntings, when people believe that their house is haunted by... Oh, getting a bit of a feedback there. Okay. Uh, oh, you're, you're uh, <laughs> drawing in something here, Richard. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Uh, that's all right. I will say the Jesus prayer as we exit the studio. But uh, uh, hauntings, uh, do you believe that is demonic? Or are people, in fact, seeing the spirits of uh, dead relatives? Well, now, again, another interesting uh, theory there, because so many, hundreds of thousands of people throughout history have claimed to have seen ghosts and departed, you know, loved ones that they recognize, or poltergeist kind of activity where they aren't necessarily saying it's demonic, but it's just a restless spirit, let's say, that's maybe trapped in this world and hasn't moved on. You know, we have all these theories about that. To me, um, I'd be really careful. I guess anything's possible, but if are there real hauntings by actual human spirits that are still trapped in a particular home or location? Oh, boy, I don't know. Uh, I lean towards saying no. I, I, I tend to think there may be something uh, demonic behind it, because I believe that when we die, we do either go to heaven or hell or purgatory one, somewhere. We don't just get trapped uh, in our spiritual state here on earth. I, I just don't think that happens. I think that we go to God or somewhere outside of God. Michael, we'll have to leave it right there. We are sadly out of time. I'd love to have you back on. I hope you'll join me again. I hope so. Michael Fries, check out his uh, many, many books at Amazon. Michael Fries, F-R-E-Z-E, a layman with a Franciscan order, including The Complete Guide to Demonology and Demonology, the Devil and the Spirits of Darkness. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thank you to Albert. Thank you to Ian. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to everyone back next. Well, no, we won't be back. A couple weeks, we'll be back with a live program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the house Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Merry Christmas. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.